Weddings ish, 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 weddings ish. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Weddings Ish with Jove. This episode, we do not have a wedding planning tip. We do have our Real Housewives Roundup, the finale of Beverly Hills, and the first episode of New York City. And I sit down and chat with our very special guest, the founder of Rebecca Schoenfeld Bridal, as well as Schoen Bride. Weddings Ish! The Real Housewives Roundup. As Beverly Hill is coming to an end, New York City is just beginning, and I cannot wait. Beverly Hills can be summed up by Pantygate and petty fights and sort of bad relationships. But you know what? I guess that's sort of where it has its charm. In the finale episode, we have the Diamonds and Rosé party with their favorite wedding event planner, Kevin Lee, um, and Dorit and Rena go at it. I mean, they just go for one another, and basically it seems like the whole world is against Lisa Rinna, and the whole season they say that she has just been jarring and pushing and spreading rumors and spreading lies, and I don't know that that's necessarily true, but she does seem to find a way to wiggle her opinion in about everyone who's not in the room, and then conveniently forget when they are in the room, and or when they bring it up. So it is a little bit of a problem. I think the reunion will be really great. I think they'll be able to talk it all out. And then when she's like, I never said that, they'll show the video of her saying it, which is always my favorite. And I just can't wait and hope that uh, next season will be better. Speaking of seasons, we have the brand new season of New York City, and the women are back, and they are back in such a fierce way Bethany, of course, starts off the season selling her old apartment in Tribeca for a record using the real estate mogul and her guy from that other TV show selling New York. And it's it's crazy that she literally gets whatever she wants on that show and whatever she wants in her real life. And sometimes I just wonder if she lives in this life. You know, she's complaining about these two puppies that she has and why would she do that? But let's be honest, Bethany, you're not taking care of your animals. You have help to do that. You have a million assistants to do that for you. Um, I don't know. She's sort of a little self-important this season to start off with. She doesn't open her own doors. She's on her phone the whole time. She's never really fully present. And it's all about her. But I guess she's a housewife, and that's what you want. And when it comes to all about her, Ramona is the exact same way. I mean, she's got a little nightgown on and a face mask when Mario, the convenient name of the new contractor she's hired, shows up. And she flirts with him like he's the last man on earth. I mean, these women are desperate and hungry and I cannot get enough. Sonia in a play, <laughs> she can't even remember lines for a five-minute show. Who would put her off-Broadway? I love it, though, because she has an international following. So absolutely, it makes sense. It's crazy. That woman lives in her own world, but I love that she's committed to the world that she lives in, and she believes in the world that she lives in. So good for her. And good old Countess Luann, who will not be a countess for much longer on TV. They were married on New Year's Eve, and now, of course, they're showing the days leading up to that and what drama it will be. Ramona always saying that, oh, but he's cheated again, but you don't want to know because you don't want to know. It's just so much drama. But you know what? I get it. I wouldn't want to marry a man surrounded by that much drama or that all of my friends do not like. 
But Luann seems happy. The photos of the wedding seem beautiful. I wish her all the best. And I hope that all of this is just bad TV drama and that maybe he's a nice person. He seems a little swarmy on the show. He's sort of like, I don't know, he's trying too hard to be someone. But so is Dorinda's boyfriend, John, right? Like there, there isn't really a good example of a strong man on the show other than Carol's boyfriend, Adam, who moved in and they're living together and now they have more animals. But I also love how she's in denial. She's like, we're just shacking up. We don't actually live together. But I'm confused as to what the difference is. If you live together or you don't live together, you don't shack up temporarily. I hope that they get married. I hope that they give me a call when they do. And I'm looking forward to seeing this season's new special guest, Tinsley Mortimer. That's going to be fun, living with Sonia. What a mess. Cannot wait to watch. Weddings-ish! I am super excited to be finally recording with the talented, sweet, creative, I don't know, warm human being, Rebecca (laughs) Schoeneveld of Schoen Bride. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. And for that lovely introduction. (laughs) Yes, anytime. It's my pleasure. Um, When I think of you, I think of three things. Okay. Wedding dresses, Uh made in Brooklyn, and mama entrepreneur, like... Oh, mompreneur? Mompreneur, is that a thing? Mompreneur, that doesn't sound right. Mommy, there's some, anyway. Mom boss. A mom boss, maybe that's a better (laughs) way to say it. Um, So those are sort of the things that I want to talk about with you today. We met, I was trying to think about it, it's been years. It's been years. It was like, I think you're one of the first people I met in the wedding industry. I think you were just starting out. You were kind of like, I think this is something I want to do. Yeah, and and you were at a trunk show. It was like at that wet altered show. It was the first wet altered show. And I was very first. That was like one of my first times coming out of my apartment and meeting people face to face going... Yeah, I make these dresses. Yeah. And then you showed up and were like, I think I'm getting, I'm getting into planning. And yeah. I was like, oh, cool. I needed cool. to borrow a dress or something. Yeah. 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 So that's how I met you many uh, moons ago. how we've all grown. I know, it's such crazy. babies then. You know? It's funny how times have changed. Um, and so from that point, I guess for you, for me, it's always been like, and I don't know if you created this, but I've always given you credit for sort of the mix and match dress. Oh. Well, thank you also very much so for that. So can you talk a little <laughs> bit more about that and what that means? And I feel like that's your signature. Yeah, that's definitely a huge part of what we do. Um, the whole idea for the Mix and Match came about um, sort of like in a moment of inspiration while on a long walk through Brooklyn. And I thought, man, wouldn't it be so fun? Well, first of all, I was like, I, you know, I'm a designer with... I didn't. I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Sufficient mm-hmm. to say. So I've always been trying to figure out how to start a business with minimal means, you know, sure. bootstrapping it as much as possible. And I thought, um, first of all, most brides will say, "I just kind of knew this instinctually." They're like, "I love this part of this dress, but this part of this dress. Why can't I just kind of have those two things fused together?" Uh-huh. Um, and I thought, well. Gee, it would actually be really fun to have a studio that was full of different dress parts and we could kind of like build a dress together. Yeah, pick, um, your, pick your pieces. Yeah, and then also, by the magic of being poor, it was also a really economical way to start a collection. To do it. Oh, yeah. interesting, because like, you weren't committing. Yeah, I didn't have to commit. I'd be like, I love this trumpet skirt and I love this full skirt and they both go with this beautiful French lace top. So okay. why don't I let the bride pick? I'll just keep them unsewn together. Um, yeah, so that was kind of like the initial inspiration of like, why not let the bride be more creative, give her, like, that final say of, like, how her silhouette should look. Um, 
And it totally has evolved from there into a lot of different iterations of mix sure. and match. And a lot of other designers, of course, now are doing mix and match. But I feel um, like you were one of the first. I would like to, I, you know, I don't like to be all snobby and territorial, but I've been doing it for six years now. Yeah. And for sure, it's only been in the market for the past like two, three years. Uh-huh. Um, and I've had lots of people come to my studio and go, oh my God, this is genius. Everyone's going to start copying you. It's brilliant. And I'm like, well, matter of time till... Yes, Till there you go. It. Yeah. And that sort of, so. for me, I was like, this is an interesting, smart lady. Like, oh, because it's true. Everybody wants a personal dress. Every yeah. bride wants to have a dress that is hers. Mm-hmm. And they don't just want to be like that one. Right. And when you can mix and match, like the first time I saw it, I was like, this is brilliant. Because you pick your top, you pick your bottom, and you go from there. Yeah. So it's a custom, but not the pricing necessarily. Right. Of so custom. I love the term, um, like the democratization of luxury. You know, okay. it gives a girl... Um, who is kind of just like a, of normal means, you know, like a girl who's a friend of mine, like a normal working girl, career girl, um, who has a budget of, you know, reasonable. She's not trying to find the cheapest thing in the world, but she wants something special, but she also is not going to spend $10,000. So Mm -hmm. she has two to $3,000. She really wants something that's unique and speaks to her and, you know, just feels really natural for her. So I love, um, the way that we do it. It's basically like modular design with a lot of, you know, like an, I kind of have a love hate relationship with Ikea, but you know, you see Ikea design your kitchen, design your like, you know, your cram fours, whatever. I don't know. They're packs. What we're going to shelving. So we basically get it up to a certain point and then she completes the look. And I also, I like to stress that it's not, it's not the same as just having like a bunch of tops and a bunch of skirts and you're styling like an outfit. Mm -hmm. Um, cause that can feel really intimidating. It's really, the idea is that we're creating a custom gown. Like, okay. pick your components, and we're going to sew it into a gown for you that is, like, zip it and go, and it's low maintenance, and it's really, like, easy custom, mod- easy modern wear. custom. Okay. Yeah. And you started off making dresses in your apartment. I did, yes. My first set of, set of samples I made totally myself. I patterned, cut, and sewed them myself, all while pregnant with my first son. You have two. I have two, two now. Two okay. Yep. So this whole thing started... Kind of crazily, when I was pregnant with my first son, I, um, I'll tell that story real, but that's sure. the, how did this whole thing come to be? Yeah. I was working in the regular industry for a long time, just in the regular fashion industry. Um, I had previously, without any background knowledge of what I was doing, I started another line that was back in 2005, um, and it was all eco-friendly contemporary okay. clothes. Um, which actually went pretty well. It was like, you know, it did pretty decently. It was actually maternity clothes and I didn't have any kids at the time. So you weren't pregnant, but you were making maternity wear. I was just like, I need to do something niche. And I think I was working in contemporary maternity was like, I liked the idea of working with curves and like a very feminine form. And Uh definitely there's nothing curvier or more feminine than a pregnant body. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> that is true. Um, the peak of femininity is pregnancy. absolutely super feminine yeah um and i was really i've been since college really sick of like the real thin body being our contemporary idea of what is beautiful it mm-hmm. just is like annoying to me because it's frankly really difficult to look that way it's sure. hard to get your body to look that it's way natural for most people unnatural for most people you know and if it whatever everyone has different body shapes and they're all beautiful um so yeah, so maternity, I thought, you know what? Also, I really wanted to do something. Um, it was one of the first collections that was eco-friendly. Okay. Um, before, I was like, oh. We're what gonna-. does eco-friendly mean in fashion? So at the time, this was yeah. when it was kind of a new idea. Um, organic cotton was coming out into the market a okay. lot. Um, bamboo was just kind of getting into the wholesale market. 
Um, and I think people were just starting to have the conversation about what it meant to be eco-friendly. Mm-hmm. I think that the whole idea of it has evolved a lot over the past, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, and what, you know, what it was then, I think we were, we were all trying to figure something out then. And now I think what the focus should be more on is reducing the amount of things we purchase, trying to purchase better quality things mm-hmm. and less of them. Okay. Rather than, and, you know, of course, also using responsible materials, responsible labor practices, and um, working with vendors who are treating their employees fairly and all that. Mm-hmm. It's more of like an all-encompassed um, perspective rather than just, oh, I'm using One natural thing. dyes, sure. or, oh, I'm using, you know, the whole piece of fabric, or no scraps, or, you know, it's like, those things are cool and get the conversation started, but it's not really, like, you have to sort of pick away at the evil of the fashion industry, sure. like, bit by bit. So you're thinking more like full integration instead of like piecemeal environmental thoughts. Yeah, more like how am I going to make a real impact like on people's lives and like I can't solve everything and I definitely can't mm-hmm. do it perfectly. But just, you know, if every company just tried to function more responsibly and better and accepted the fact that none of us are going to be perfect sure. you know, overall. And if as a consumer, you know, like I can't purchase everything perfectly from only responsible manufacturers. But if I'm really conscious of it and I do buy secondhand when I can and I do buy local when I can, mm-hmm. you know, it has a ripple effect. It has like a snowball effect. Sure, you're effect. doing your part. Exactly. So, so yeah. Short story long, <laughs> I basically, so I started this eco-friendly maternity line um, right, you know, flying into the economy crashing so for two years it was like great and I was you know had this crazy I I worked all by myself I didn't have any interns or any help and I was just like making myself completely sick Uh working like 18 hours a day with no investor no backer I was just like okay I'm just gonna do this thing and I got into Nordstrom and Neiman's and Saks and all All these boutiques all on my own and I was producing everything domestically and making all my own patterns and Uh just breaking my neck um, also was newly married at the time, which is like starting a business with very little business plan and getting married and getting all in married. the same year. Why not? At the age, do it all. At the age of 22. Yeah. Eh, questionable. Questionable. You know, yeah. good judgment. It was not, not the best person. Well, you're 22, so the world is your oyster. <laughs> just do like, it. You just, you you just do it. There's yeah. not a lot of logic, I think, at 22. Right. I was like pure emotion. Yeah. Um, so, but I learned a ton from it, and sure, so then the economy crashed, I was forced to close the line down, um, went back into the industry, and just worked my butt off for some company I didn't really adore. Sure. Um, then I was let go from that company, which was kind of a blessing, because I was very unhappy, and all within the same month, um, so I was let go from the job, I was starting another project on the side with a friend, we were mm-hmm. like starting up a, another label, and then suddenly it fell apart, she got she and her family had to move to China. Oh, wow. I was like, okay, well, that's not going to That's okay. not going to Yeah, that's happen. already kind of hard. So um, then my house caught on fire. Like, my apartment building had, like, this huge fire. And my then-husband and I found ourselves homeless. Like, didn't know where we were going to live for the next oh my couple months. And then, like, the following week, I found out I was pregnant. Of course. And I was like, hurrah! All at the same time. That's Yay! That's how it goes, right? It's never, like, nicely timed. It's, like, all or nothing. It was just, yeah. Yeah. So no job, no home, and you're pregnant. And I'm pregnant. Um, <laughs> bit of a surprise, which was cool. We were excited about it. And, you know, of course, like having kids is like the craziest thing. You really, even like consciously deciding to have kids is like, like you have to be off your rocker. Because sure. it's like way harder than getting married. They are your entire life. It's yeah. like, I'm going to be responsible for this person 
forever. Period. Forever. Yeah. Even when they're like 45. And I you will don't still sleep worry. For a couple of years to start. It's, and then yeah. <laughs> your life is their life. Yeah. yeah. Responsibility shifts dramatically. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I kind of like, it was a big slap in the face for me of just like, I need to get back to the basics. Like, what am I doing here? I'm so sick of the fashion industry. I haven't really found my rhythm in it. Um, mm-hmm. I just need to get back to something that I just love. So I started making dresses very, um, very organically. Like, I took some of my leftover fabrics from my maternity line. I had a bunch of nice, you know, five yards of silk here, a couple yards of velvet. I never turned in mm-hmm. anything there. And I just started making some dresses, just pretty cocktail dresses. And I photographed them on a dress form in my bedroom, stuck them on Etsy, and, and started told selling. my story. And right away, they started selling. And Interesting. I was like, from Etsy. So that was like your Etsy. first platform into this new bridal-ish business. Yeah, just dresses on my own. Got I was it. like, I love dresses. I'm going to make dresses. Yeah. Um, then, and none of them were white, actually. But then I had a whole bunch of girls right away like, um, listen, I'm getting married. I live in your neighborhood. And I really love your style. It's so simple. And I, that's kind of what I was going for. But yeah. I, I could just really picture your dress if it was long and white. It'd, it'd be, be awesome. <laughs> um, why don't you just do that? And I okay. was like, okay. And then so more and more, I would, ha- would have these brides come to me. And also a lot of ma- um, pregnant brides okay. who were like, oh, I heard from a friend that you used to do maternity, maternity and, and bridal. Okay, there you go. So, so it perfect, all is an organic way. Very organic. And um, one thing I learned from my first business was that I bit off more than I could chew. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, demand came like faster than I could keep up, and sure. I just and I was like trying. You know, once the maternity was going really well, then I tried to do baby. Then I tried to do regular fit. I was like going. You tried nuts. to do everything. You tried to be everyone, f- everything for everyone. Yeah, I was doing like trousers and dresses and tops and knits, and I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to. I got really good advice from an old industry person um, one time where he just said, "You need to be an expert at one thing mm-hmm. and really matter to a lot of people for that one thing before yep. you will matter to them about anything other things, else." Which know? is very smart. Yeah, and I think that. Young designers could take that advice a lot because people who do like, you know, like too many categories, Everything, all the things, you're going to stretch yourself too thin yeah. and ultimately you're going to burn out and people aren't going to know you for anything. Sure. So, um, so with, you know, I spent my pregnancy, I kind of said to myself, okay, I have nine months here. I'm going to figure <laughs> the out, baby's a <laughs> the baby's brewing and I'm just going to figure out like, where exactly do I fit in this world? Um, you know, how can I, um, like what's, What's the market like? What are people looking for? And how can I meet that demand? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, that was when I was like, you know, that idea I had for that mix and match bridal stuff, like that could really work. Like, yeah. I think it could really work. So I um, I did like one smaller collection that was a few wedding dresses and a few still like colorful long dresses and some short ones. We and this of- is all out of your apartment. Yeah. Yeah. With a baby, then then yeah. with a baby strapped to me. So I think that's when we had <laughs> sort of just met because I went to your apartment to pick something up. Yeah, I, I worked out of my apartment like for studio quite apartment. a while. Yeah, you were yeah. doing like everything there. I was really determined to be patient because it's like the opposite of my personality. I'm an Aries and I'm just like, uh-huh. go, go, go. Yeah. I have an idea. Let's do it. Make and then it I'll drop it two yeah. minutes later and move on to something else. Sure. And I need to like train myself to be like, okay, yeah, you can't function that way all the time yeah. and get anywhere. So um, also because the previous business had been like kind of a financial disaster really emotional i just didn't want to go through that again yeah you didn't Um, want to start big yeah i knew my husband also would like literally kill me (laughs) so i was like i need to like not go into any debt i want to do this whole thing like cash basis i'm not borrowing money from anyone Mm -hmm. i'm not taking out credit cards i'm just if it's gonna survive it has to survive on its own on its own grow organically or not 
Exactly. Okay, smart. So I spent a couple years in my apartment, still sewing things myself. Like bit by bit, I hired a seamstress and it really just, you know, grew from there. So finally, um, yeah, so then finally, I guess, wait, so when was it? I have no sense of time as we were chatting earlier. I have no <laughs> recollection of when you went from your apartment to a store. Yeah. Well, well you, you did a Kickstarter campaign. I did a Kickstarter which I remember, campaign. And you were which was very difficult. You stores down from where we are yes. today. Yeah. And you made a beautiful studio. Yeah. So it was a hole in the wall place. Yeah. I was like, okay, I need to like move out of my apartment. I can't. It was like getting too big for what it was. Like we're having brides up and down my stairs in my apartment Kids building crawling around. all day. My son now is crawling around, like taking everything apart all the yeah. time. I had I have two cats who like some clients would be allergic. And yeah, my cats would like get in my fabrics. It was just no good. Was not working. So, yeah, um, and I decided you know I'm either gonna like you know can I say shit or get off the pot? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> it was like do it or don't do it. Yeah, take a leap. So I found this space that was a storefront. But a total hole in the wall. Like I needed new subflooring. Needed <laughs> I needed electricity. <laughs> yeah. But the rent was really good, and the landlord yeah. was like, "Sure, knock out the front, put in a, plain, a pane of glass. I'm totally fine with whatever yeah. you want to do." So I, um, you know, so I signed the lease. Found out two weeks later that I was pregnant Again. with my second son. <laughs> and I'm like, "Hurrah!" <laughs> Basically, if I want to make a giant change in my business, Have I should be. plan on getting pregnant <laughs> around each that time. time. Yes, got it. Yeah. Um, so then it was also funny because I couldn't really help with the demo because I was like newly pregnant. Yeah, there's like, a baby in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to be kind of careful with that. But um, anyway, so managed to open that place. And then from that spring, everything really started taking off. Like I think just being sort of public to the world, like yeah. this is me and I'm here. here's this my name my in space. these dresses. Yeah. I'm doing wedding dresses and I do this mix and match thing and that's what I do a lot of. And, and at that time, the collection had how many pieces? Oh, probably like four. 40, like, well, 40 total, like, tops and skirts. Looks, yeah. Like, maybe we had, like, 20 styles. Mm -hmm. And not all of them were amazing by any yeah. stretch. But, you know, we had, like, six that were amazing that still sell well now. Sure. And that's, to me, that's a successful design if, like, year after year people still it love it. selling, yeah. Yeah. Um, and at that time, still, everything was made in Brooklyn. Everything was pieces. made in my studio. Yep, everything. And, Which is um, huge to say you have a dress that's designed, patterned, sewn, and fully made locally in Brooklyn. Yeah. At a price point lower than some of the name brand dresses yeah. made in China. Totally. Like, yeah. to me, I, I'm always shocked at the price point. I feel like your prices for brides is so amazing. Yeah, thank you. Well, because I feel like I really want to work with people that I relate to. Mm -hmm. Like, I, the best thing by far about doing, doing this business has been all the different kinds of women I've been able to meet. And mm -hmm. um, for somebody to pick a wedding gown that I designed, and she's, you know, everyone in her family's like, honey, that's, like, totally you. It's so yeah. you. And, like, it just captures you so beautifully. Yeah. And she's like, I never felt so pretty before. Yeah. How did you know me well enough to make this? I just met yeah. you. And, you know, that connection that happens. Um, and it's such cool women. Like, I've had so many, you know, um, therapists, teachers, lawyers, just Every artists, yeah. you know, yoga instructors, and just all kinds, you know, environmentalists and scientists and really, really smart, cool people um, who, you know, they they're just a certain bent of person who's like, I don't want to, I just can't reasonably imagine spending over $5,000 or $8,000 on a gown. For five hours. Like, I'm just not that kind yeah. of person. Um, but I definitely want to feel special and um, all those other great things. So, um, so making things that are an attainable price mm -hmm. matters to me. Um, 
And it also matters to me to, like, affect my community positively. Yeah. And, like, you know, now my dresses, no, they are not 100% natural fibers. I never actually claim that they're all 100% natural fibers. Some of them are. Some of them have some poly blend linings and whatever. And, of course, sure. I really try to use um, very high-quality, nice-feeling fabrics. Like, I want it to just be really comfortable. I feel like women are shoved into uncomfortable things way too all much of our lives. High heels. High tightness. heels and corsets and all that stuff. And yeah. It's like, come on. Like, thongs. It's just a yeah. nightmare. <laughs> like, I want to dress. You want like, to be comfortable. Yeah. And like, beautiful. And, like, even if that means you want to, like, show off your butt. Like, sure, show off your butt. But, like you know, you should be able to breathe. You shouldn't have sweaty knees. Yeah. You shouldn't have itchy things. Anywhere. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> That's so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have definitely been in dresses before where I'm like, my knees are sweating in yeah. this dress. Like, how is that possible? It's yeah. gross. I Because it's my beautiful, knees. but painful. So it's not worth it for you to do that. Totally. Yeah. You should feel great and look great. Um, so, yeah. So as we've grown, um, like we still make at the moment, like 85% of our gowns we still make in our studio here, mm -hmm. but we also sell wholesale. Um, we now are in about, I think, about two dozen stores around the country. That's huge. Which is a lot of dresses. Thank God. I mean, yeah. it's wonderful. Like, I love that we reach brides all over the country yeah. and even some internationally. Like, it's really, really amazing. Um, and I love learning the regionality of what brides look for. Sure, like, like what the different tastes are in the different states. Yeah, cultural things. Oh, that's fascinating. And even body types. Yeah. Or what people find appropriate in certain areas. And um, But, um, so we've been, we've moved a little bit of our production into Midtown. Also at this small women's owned um sewing room which sure. is awesome it's still here in new york city it's still here in new york city and we are actually now next season partnering with um an embroidery studio in india okay. who i just spent two weeks hanging out there and because you were gone for the last couple of weeks so that's yeah was part of the visit was to meet the team or yeah amazing yeah. i just went went to uh bangalore india and hung out in a factory for two weeks which okay was honestly it was a lot of hard work i was like oh gosh this is not a vacation at all but it was um really inspiring because their capabilities especially for handwork embroidery and stuff yeah. is absolutely stunning you know india is a culture of embroidery they've mm -hmm. been doing it for tens of thousands of years and they have all these you know you can just see the richness of mm -hmm. um how it's like passed on from generation to generation and the techniques are so creative so um to actually go there work with the designers and the embroiderers hand in hand and make things like oh they're it's yeah. just it's just like it's the whole good. world opens sure yeah um, so, and so they're sewing some of our embroidered pieces there. And it was also cool just to be, for me, ethic, ethics are more important than like protectionism. You know, if I'm going to work with someone overseas, I want to see that they're all just as happy to be at that studio there. They're sure. They're yeah. treated right. They're, they're treated fairly. right. They're paid fairly. They're supporting their families. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't, I don't really have a problem with importing things. Um, I just want to make sure that it's you know, the money is being allocated fairly and yeah. that, like, the people who are making it also have joy yeah. in what they're making. And that was so wonderful to see um, our team over there just being, like, they're so proud of their work. Yeah. They really, you know, they honestly worked more overtime than we were willing to do here. And wow. They were just, like, they wanted to make it super, super perfect for yeah. us. And I was, like, dang. It's just, um, Yeah. It's a beautiful thing that you are able to see where a product is coming from. So you're Absolutely. physically involved, not yeah. just like shipping and hoping it works. I you know? would never, I've worked in fashion long enough to know, like I could not work with an overseas vendor mm -hmm. without knowing them face to face, visiting their facility, hanging out, knowing who I'm addressing when I, you know, yeah. I'm like, I want to, I know when I have a question, what, what her name is and what her kids' names are yeah. actually. And now you can say that yeah. comfortably, which is amazing. Yeah. And it's mostly, it's a female factory. 
It's a family-owned business. Um, brother and sister own it, and um, but the head of production there is female. The head of the embroidery studio is female. Actually, funny enough, all the embroiderers are men because oh, that's really? just like a cultural thing. That, oh, that's interesting. Like women don't do embroidery. They don't embroider. Huh. Yeah. So I kind of like that. Yeah, it's really state, interesting. It's like not what you would imagine. That you you men picture are like a room be... full of grandmas or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to go hang out there, <laughs> gossip all day. Yeah. yeah, it was really interesting. It was like all men. Partly, I guess it's because. Um, they tend to like live on campus, like the factory. It's a, it was a small factory with maybe fifty employees total, but all the men live in like a an apartment building that they oh, supply it. for them. So, okay. um, and they're really like conservative with mm-hmm. like gender so they sort keep of it segregation. Separate and- so yeah, like it was like oh well, we have housing for men, and it's a thing like a craft that's handed down men to men. So oh, that's weird. fascinating. Yeah, and you know, but well, interesting. Who am I to say that they're that's their culture. No, that's I mean, if, they, listen, yeah. if men can do beautiful embroidery, they should, right? If you're good at it, doesn't matter yeah. your gender, your oh. sexuality, any of that. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you went to India. Went your to- pieces are mostly made in Brooklyn or New York City, mm-hmm. with soon the addition of some pieces coming from that factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, you grew from your apartment yep. <laughs> to one store three blocks away yep. to now where it's shown bride. Yeah. So you went from having your own line and your own store. Yep. And now you carry other people's lines in addition to your line in a store. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. That was a whole, another leap. Yeah. Which luckily didn't come with another pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs> so no more kids. Yeah. Two boys. Two boys. Um, actually, ironically, it did, the day we moved into this current space was the day my husband moved out. Okay. So that is a sort of like. Funny. transition yeah and i'm like man again another big change another big familial change yeah. but um and it's kind of funny that i was like but we made it so far through all these yeah, businesses it's finally getting somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah but um anyway he and i are still on very good terms and all that but marriages definitely evolve and there's one thing i can say running a business is extremely difficult Having children is extremely difficult, and being married is extremely difficult. Yeah, and um, doing all three at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Can yeah. be very difficult, I yeah, imagine. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, so, anyway, yeah, so we moved into, so how did, okay, so we had our little space up the street from here. Um, Exclusively selling your mix and match gowns. That was just, yeah, and I kind of thought of it as like, this is just a little showroom of my dresses. Of your pieces, yeah. Um, and then we made everything in the back. Then we ran out of space in the back, so we got another space just for production. Then that space already, like within six months, was too small for that for production. So you were production. growing rapidly. It's like, ah, we're growing so yeah. fast, and like we just don't have space ever. Um, and then my showroom was just we had so much traffic. I mean, it was like I'm spending every single weekend there. We were fully booked. Yeah. Me and my assistant would see two brides at a time, fully booked all weekend, every weekend, which most, is amazing. Most weekdays, it was like this is bananas. We have, I mean, it's wonderful. It's awesome, but also. We're basically running a store and treating it like a front end of our office. Sure. So, again, it was kind of like, okay. Time to grow. Time to, you know, do it or don't do it. Are you going to take the leap and grow, see what happens, or maybe, you know, and I and I did consider all the options. I thought, well, maybe I could just partner with another store in the city, get them to carry a good selection of my collection. Sure. Um, and grow that way. And just let someone Which else deal with that. you did for a little that. while. You were at Lovely for a bit. I was at Lovely for a bit. And they had, but they only ever had a couple of my dresses. Got it. And I got tons of brides contacting me being like, I fell in love with your dresses, but they only had these like four. So then um, they would come I want to see more. So I was like, hey guys, buy more dresses, buy yeah. more dresses. And ultimately, you know, they're a big store with like a lot of different designers. Yeah. And they were like, you know, we've decided to invest in these other collections. Sure. 
you have your thing going in Brooklyn, so they can just come frankly, here. Yeah, that was kind of their logic at the time, and I was, you know, like, you know what? It's a sign. Fine. And actually, the same week that they finally gave me that decision on their end, this landlord of my current space came to me and said, "Hey." Our tenant just had to move, you know, we had to get rid of this guy. He hasn't paid rent in a bunch of months. Like, what <laughs> What do you think you could do with this space? And I was like, oh, it's so crazy because... It all just sort of worked out. It just happened, like, in the same couple days. Yeah. And also, even a few days before it, um, before even I had that conversation with Lovely, I was like, I had just a moment of conviction where I was like, oh, God, I really have to do this. I think I'm going to have to open a store. Yeah. I don't want to open a store. <laughs> I don't want to do it, but I think I have to yeah. because not only... Um, you know, here I couldn't find a solid retail partner in my own town, which is New York freaking city. Yep. How many millions of people are we catering to? Sure. It's such a huge market. And well, they can't be the only store in town. And I know of a bunch of other designers who actually, they don't have room for them either. Yeah. So totally there's room for another kind of, you know, indie, younger well, kind and of. In Brooklyn, we didn't really have we have something like, like hardly this. anything didn't in Brooklyn. Exist. Right. And Brooklyn is a thing. Brooklyn is a total it's not thing. Like the redheaded stepchild anymore. Like, <laughs> no, oh, I've got to go to Brooklyn. <laughs> it's like its own city, basically, sure. with its own aesthetic and vibe. Yeah. And I get tons of brides who are like, "I'm getting married in Brooklyn. I'm getting my ring made in Brooklyn. Yeah, I want a full Brooklyn experience. I want to walk to all my appointments, yeah. <laughs> and it's sweet." Um, and I really wanted to also create an environment where I could control the, um, as you know, to the extent possible, of the just the overall experience a bride has. Mm-hmm. I didn't From really want to finish. hand off all of that, like vibe because I don't think it's just about finding the gown it's about like feeling really taken care of and respected mm-hmm. and From happy and like yeah. just like so I love it um I love interior design like almost as much as designing clothes and um so when I got to design the store I just like kind of went to town I yeah. was like all right peace out everyone I'll talk to you, you later <laughs> I'm gonna put my head into the internet and look for the perfect rugs yeah and you did. light the fixtures and the lighting I was just it's like beautiful does this wallpaper go with this rug back and <laughs> forth back and forth back and forth I'm just gonna order them and hope yeah um so whenever people come in and say oh my gosh I love the design of the space it feels so warm and happy and I'm like yay that's yeah. exactly what I wanted I wanted to feel like just that. like like a fun warm inspiring yeah cool, you're on vacation yeah one of my brides said this place is like the best bachelorette pad you could possibly imagine <laughs> you just want to come and like it has all the fun things that you can't and really have in your house out. like yeah a blue velvet sofa and like this big parrot wallpaper and yeah so and then also all that color lets the dresses sort of shine in a different way which is nice True. And like and it's on a stuffy bridal salon where it's like don't touch anything yeah everything's ten thousand dollars and up like yes. it's a more laid back i'm experience. like here sit in my macrame swing yeah have a glass of champagne and play creative dress up, you know, yeah. for, for an hour and a Let's half. Let's do this. Um, so yeah, so we also, I made the decision then to, yes, make it like the flagship store of my collection, but I also brought in a bunch of other independent designers mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, always looking for people who complement my collection, who, you know, I want to be Rebecca Schoenveld for the, the Rebecca Schoenveld bride. And even though my collection has a lot of diversity to it, and I really try to um, make something that works for like all body types and, you know, like a really romantic girl or a really tomboyish girl or like mm-hmm. someone who's like i never wear a dress or some girl who's like i just want to look like a yeah ballerina princess you know um but so looking for other lines that have a strong brand on their own sure. um their that, own identity that are doing something that i'm not going to be doing yeah like, i have truvel stepping on each other's toes yeah. yeah but it's the same kind of girl so it's just like a girl who loves truvel would probably also love mine a girl mm-hmm. who's like into daughters of simone like boho maybe there's you know so there's like um a similar vibe and mm-hmm. it just 
um, it's, it's kind of like a party out there. Yeah. <laughs> on a Saturday, it's like, woohoo, like, everyone come and, you know. Try everything on. Play, play fun dress-up time. So when you say that you want to make dresses for all body types, what does that mean to you? Because I've had a, an awful experience with a bride. She was like maybe a size 11, and <laughs> I will not name the place, but the sales representative was like, well, we have a sample size 4, so she can just hold it up and pretend. Yeah. And I literally was like, oh, yeah, I don't really want her to hold it up and pretend this is her wedding day, her wedding dress. It's a $7,000 dress. Like, go fuck yourself. And it was like the most offensive thing for me for this bride. You were like, I feel my face getting purple. I and I'm trying. not the person at that time on behalf of her. Like, yeah. my papa side came out. But what does that mean for you, all body types yeah. and all sizes? Um, so, first of all, I will just say... Um, it is very difficult to carry samples in a range of sizes because it's so expensive. Like every sure. single sample is, you know, like $1,500 or yeah. so. And it, it costs a lot to have a rack of beautiful dresses and then to have one in a six that works for a girl who's down to a size zero up to a size like 12. Mm -hmm. And then one that's bigger, it's expensive. Um, so I recently made the decision because I am so tired of these moments of like, mm -hmm. I'm so sorry, like I can't get this dress on you. I know it'll be beautiful on you. But, but you can't get it on, yeah. and now I feel like a judgmental asshole. Yeah, everyone feels bad about themselves. Everyone just feels bad. Yeah. And I don't have anything against like, I really know I, I want to make you look beautiful. Yeah. And I, that's like my whole and goal in life is to make women feel beautiful. Um, so, this past a couple months ago, I made the decision like, we have our next big step. I'm always thinking in these like phases of growth, but I'm like, our next focus of growth has to be making a bunch of, we need to make a good portion of our collection in a size. 18 i picked mm -hmm. 18 because you can kind of like you can pin it down for a girl who's more like a 12 you can pin it out you know it's always like mm -hmm. a, um, for a girl who's like up to like a 28 or so sure um and we made the decision to expand all of our um size range offering from a zero double zero up to a 30 wow. for no and all at the same price point so there's no even fee. though it's additional fabric yeah, like, there's the logical things of, like, there is more fabric, yeah. and it, you know... More time to sell. More time, kind of, and we have to, like... Actually, there's a lot of technical stuff about doing larger sizes. You have to kind of make a whole separate set of... Mm -hmm. um, patterns. Of patterns. Yeah. Because it's, like, where the pattern has to grow from is different. It's not, like, sure. you know... Different body most, forms have different... Yeah. Yeah, needs. so it's a little bit technically... It's just a different challenge of, like, we have to do a whole lot more technical work, and, of course, it takes more fabric. But I figured... Um, yeah, it just seemed ethical to, like, why should one girl, just because she's bigger, have to pay more than a girl who's smaller? Like, um, like a girl who's a zero doesn't pay less than a girl who's a 14. Interesting. And that's a big difference. That's an fabric. interesting psychological way to think about it. And and I feel like um, women who are on the larger end of our size chart get treated like different, you know, second-class citizens all, all the, time. the time. Like, they always life. have to shop online or yeah. have to... One of my dear friends who's a plus size girl, she's like, I hate having to go to a section that's like plus fat size. girls section. Yeah. You or might as well put a sign that says like or, fat yeah. girls. And yeah. she's like, we know what we are. You don't have to put a sign over it. Size. You know, she's yeah, like, exactly. like, and yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I could, why can't they just have a women's section where it's like, there's a button down that works for all sizes. Just have on the rack. The different, different sizes. sizes. You don't yeah. have to put that same top in the size 24 in across a the room. That's yeah. fair. I get um, that. She's like, I'm not going to look at the cami, okay? I'm not yeah. looking at the crop top. I don't Big want girls want to wear you something know. that's flattering to them. Yeah, yeah. So I've tried to take that approach with the collection. Like, the styles that I have that I'm like, this would look amazing on curves. Like, we need to get sure. some curves in this dress ASAP. So, like, 
those are the styles that we we didn't you know change our designs we just fit them on a size 18 model um a fit model and made samples um so we have about we're starting with about a dozen new dresses. That's incredible. Um, and a lot of them are from sort of the mix and match collection too. Sure. So she can still have that like mix customization thing. Yeah. Yeah. But so, tailored to her body type. Exactly. Not the tiny skinny mannequin that isn't everyone's body type. Like it's not going to be backless because I'm like I'm sorry, your boobs need to stay up. I'm not going to give you a backless dress. Well, and it's probably it's not just, a part of your body you want to highlight. Like, yeah. it's, everybody's different, you yeah, know? Yeah, totally. Interesting. Um, but so, it's not just um, larger sizes. We also work with really petite women, okay. like, who are, you know, actually, funny enough, one of the very first custom dresses I ever made was when I was in high school. I made my friend's prom dress because she was, like, four foot ten. Wow. And, tiny, like, the size of a child, but she's from a tiny family yeah tiny she's just people. a little person <laughs> just a little person yeah so i made her um i remember it was like a total knockoff of um gwyneth paltrow's oscar dress that pink oscar de la renta uh-huh. the yeah that's inspired um, inspired that dress <laughs> yes or it, a knockoff <laughs> it was it was kind of a knockoff but i also hand beaded the bodice myself wow. i remember sitting in study hall like hand beating her bodice what a good friend yeah <laughs> yeah um and she looked so she looked beautiful and that was you know, I felt so sorry for her that she was going to have to go shop in, like, the communion girl section mm-hmm. for her prom dress. I'm like, no, that's not cool. It doesn't feel so, right. So, it could be, like, yeah, a really petite woman, a really extra tall woman. I also love working with people who just want something different, like, color or pants or, yeah. you know. A pantsuit a or pantsuit. a jacket. Or, yeah. I mean, there's so many things. So like, many things. Yeah. It's no Older brides, too. A white dress. Oh, of all ages. Older but Yeah, I had this one bride who, um, it was her first time getting married, but she was... Um, maybe I'm gonna guess like 64 or so. Wow, 64, and it was her first marriage. Yeah, Good and she, for her, she still had like a great body, you know. But she's like, whatever. She's 64, so she had a great body for a 64 year old. But she was like, I don't, I don't, I think anything that I put on is gonna look stupid, you know. I'm gonna look like I'm playing dress up, like yeah. I'm playing bride. But um, she's like, but I also don't want to look like the mother of the bride. Sure. And I don't want to look like I'm just going she to an evening wear. I want to feel like a bride, but I don't want to feel like like a 20 year old. Like I'm trying to be 20, you know. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, she ended up in this, like, full chiffon skirt with this hand-beaded V-neck bodice with, like, it was gorgeous, all hand-embroidered. She got married in Prospect Park. It was gorgeous. Uh Um, So, yeah, diversity to me. Also, obviously, same-sex couples are super fun because I love coordinating looks. We'll be like, you know, whether they're both going for more feminine or one wants something more both. It's just, like, really, really fun to capture, like... Two women's coordinating personalities. And, and what they want and what's important to them. Yeah. yeah I yeah. love that. Yep. And so then even if someone doesn't like something of your collection, particularly, you have how many other um, collections here? We have about seven other gown designers mm-hmm. and then a whole bunch of accessories, which are also so fun. Yeah, you know? from all over the place. Yeah. So that's kind of incredible. So you've created a world for women of all sort of Stripes. shapes and Everything. sizes yeah. and ages. And I, that's beautiful. Thank like, you. It's remarkable, actually, because I think the fashion <laughs> world can be pretty narrowing in terms of, like, you're this size range, this body, then you're good. Everyone yeah. else, good luck. I've been meditating a lot lately on, like, like, why is it that we do what we do? What is the whole point of it all? I mean, I think about mm. this stuff, like, throughout my life, but lately especially just really thinking about beauty and, like, mm-hmm. what does beauty mean to us and all of that. Um it's actually really funny. I randomly found this speech I wrote when I was 16. Oh, wow. For a, for a scholarship contest. Okay. And the question was, what does beauty mean to you? Oh, interesting. And what I did rem- you say as a 16-year-old? I totally kicked ass, except for <laughs> that I choked up and I actually couldn't finish the speech. Like, oh. I got, like, a frog Emotional. in my throat. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but, so, when I 
found this scrap of paper in like an old notebook recently. I was like, oh my God, like I was so on point. I basically said um, in this very like 16 year old way, sassy, like strong way. I was like, every culture in the world has their own idea of beauty. You know, some tribes think that if you have really long earlobes, that's what's beautiful, uh-huh. you know? And in this country, beauty causes women, t- women and man- men, but especially women, a ton of pain, physical yep. pain, a lot of emotional anguish. But what people need to understand is that if you can find the joy in your life and if you can be a kind person, you're going to be far mm-hmm. more beautiful than any face, you know? And that's not what it's about. Wow, and, um, 16. Oh, I mean, I've said it even better than that because I was like, and I was like, damn, yeah, no wonder I got all emotional because I was standing in front of an audience being like, screw you people and trying to put us in this box. But <laughs> anyway, um, but, but really, I think in my my more calm, mature, uh, you know, 30s mm-hmm. persona. Um, I've just been thinking about how beauty is an experience. You know, we're given as humans an opportunity to experience, um, like, the emotional response of what is beauty. Like, when you look at, like, a sunset um, and you feel something, that is, like, the, it's kind of what it means to be alive and what it means to be a spiritual being. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I can help someone see in themselves beauty like she puts on something i made and, and she feels she beautiful sees more beautiful how beautiful she really is and it's not about like she looks like a magazine it's just that she sees her natural beauty mm-hmm. um and i can give somebody like a emotional response with a thing that i made it's like what it means to be alive kind yeah. of you know of course that's like the best purpose in life possible it's not just making you know some people can be so cynical like this is just something i'm going to wear one time and i'm like it's one special physical object that makes you feel all this stuff. Yeah. I feel the same way about jewelry too, like an amazing ring. Like there's no purpose. It's not there to, it doesn't protect sure. you. I mean, maybe yeah. if you punch someone really hard or something. Yeah, but, but it doesn't like keep you safe or make you rich. It's not the point, you yeah. know, the point is to just like look at it and fe- it's beautiful. It's yeah. something to observe. Um, so clothing can be that, you know, it's like, why does the fashion industry have to do the opposite so often? Like it actually makes us feel worse about ourselves mm-hmm. and like because they want you to buy more stuff that's why they're like yeah. buy more oh you don't look good anymore buy something else but yeah i mean you know? they need consumers to keep purchasing every season otherwise they don't have a job yeah so they pay millions of dollars of marketing to make you feel less yeah. beautiful to become more beautiful by buying more yeah i mean it's like a lot of things but it's a lot of things it's beautiful that you have taken this approach and sort of started a company literally from your living room <laughs> to where we are today, and what message would you give to anyone, male, female, with kids? I mean, you were a pregnant mom, (laughs) right? And you started a business that's sort of become an amazing empire in some ways. What advice would you give to others out there who are trying to do the same? Um, I think focusing in on something that makes you really happy, Mm -hmm. like if it makes you feel really excited and you're like, this is just cool, then probably someone else will feel the same way. Probably lots of people will feel the oh, same way. And you'll be motivated to keep going. So if you're like, oh, this is a good business idea. I don't think it really is that cool. You know, don't do that. You're yeah. going to be bored super quick. So yeah. if you're inspired by it, probably lots of other people will be, even if it's something really bizarre. Um, and then to just be focused and organized. Um, don't borrow money. Really just... Being poor is good in a way because, like, if you don't have the money, you can't waste the money. You can't spend it, yeah. Yeah, and if you have it, you will waste it. It'll yeah. go up, poof, in a smoke. Every decision <laughs> is thoughtful when it's coming out of your wallet. Yeah, and, like, you know, you have to bootstrap to, like, even to learn the lessons and all that. So I think um, don't bite off more than you can chew. Stay focused and then just go dive into something that you are, like, really, really can't stop thinking about how rad it is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And then it'll it'll go from there. It's yeah. Meant to be. And put it out there too. I always I feel like so many people have good ideas and and then they'll like maybe tip, dip their toes in it a little bit and then get scared or doubt like mm-hmm. oh who's going to care about this and then they back off and then they end up working some job forever that they, that don't, they love. don't love. Sure. And it's like you know what life is way too short. You have to do what you love. Yeah. Do what you love. Actually. There's a big sign in her office. There's a big sign right behind me. <laughs> Says, Which is why you hear the sewing machines are in it. Is yep. do what you love. Really do, big. Do what you love. Like you know, life is is short and precious. And if you're not doing the thing that makes you happy, then you are wasting mm-hmm. this one precious life that you're given. Yeah. I get that. And if people want to follow you or come and see you, where can they yes. do that online and where in person? Okay. So it's um, RebeccaShoneveld.com. Mm-hmm. It's a mouthful. Um, on Instagram, we're RebeccaShoneveld underscore bridal uh-huh. um, and at Bride. So two separate Instagrams. One is your and, line. One is the store. Yeah. I try to keep the store and the line kind of separate because the line is like this national brand and the store is more of like who, what we're doing here now, sure, playing fun. And, to Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Shone Bride and Rebecca Schoenevelt, those are the two brands. And and you're located in, we're in Gowanus. We're, we're in Gowanus. We're on 3rd Avenue between 12th and 13th Street. It says Shone Bride over the street. And um, yeah, turning into a little bridal row over here too. We got Rebecca Shepherd floral up the street. Our new space. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and my old store up the street um, became a tailoring studio. Mm-hmm. So all of our alterations happened Where there. Where you send all of your Yeah, that's Amanda Madden. She's super rad. So um yeah. You're changing Gowanus one store. We're, we're bringing all the girls down here. Well, yeah, when I, I moved it. in, it was all like plumbers and stuff. And they're like, what is, what's going on over here? And now it's like pretty and feminine. <laughs> we're like, we're bringing the girls. And well, this has been so much fun. I've totally. been chatting with you, and I can't wait to see where the business goes next. Thanks, Joe. Weddings ish. Thank you so much for tuning in, subscribing, listening, and downloading Weddings-ish with Jove. It means the world to me to have you uh, listening and supporting this podcast. If you have any questions about wedding planning or any topics you'd like us to cover or anything uh, you'd like to hear about, please send us an email, podcast at jovemeyerevents.com or tweet us at jovemeyer. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at jovemeyer and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would really, really appreciate it if you would take a moment and leave us a great five-star review on iTunes. Thanks so much. Weddings-ish. The music in this podcast was made by the fabulous Mel Flannery of Mixtape, a cover band for hipsters. Thanks, Mel. Love the jingle. Weddings-ish. Weddings-ish.